Welcome. This is Money Heart, where we explore the emotional side of money. I'm Camille Diaz, and today we're discussing sales baggage. My guest is Annie P. Ruggles. She's the founder of the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy, and for over a decade, Annie P. has harnessed her Hulk-like disdain for hard sales, tacky self-promotion, and overly competitive sleazeballs as inspiration to help people find better ways to grow their small business. As founder of the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy, she's guided hundreds of people toward making deeper connections, lasting impressions, and friendlier, more lucrative transactions and conversations. Her pride and joy is her podcast, Too Legitimate to Quit, Instantly Actionable Small Business Strategies with a Pop Culture Spin. Annie, welcome to Money Heart. Hey, thanks, Camille. I'm delighted to be here. I am so excited to have you on the show. This is going to be fantastic because what a great thing to talk about is all of this money, emotional stuff that happens when we start talking about sales. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, this could be three hours, but since we don't have three hours, let's condense it down. Start with your story. Like, how did you even get into this? How did you figure out the sales thing and how we can maybe drop some of that sales baggage on the side of the road driveway. So since today, I'm going to change up how I normally tell this story today, because we're talking about specifically about sales baggage. If, if sales baggage is, is a thing, and I'm going to argue that it is, it's a thing. I used to be the most like pack rat, covered in baggage like i'm amazed i could even freaking walk i was a bag lady of sales baggage i was picking up other people's sales baggage like i'm like when a little kid tries to push a luggage cart at the airport with their entire family reunion on it like i could not freaking move and and what was interesting for me as a kid is that i'm very lucky in the aspect that I'm the child of two entrepreneurs, right? right? Yeah. And and so and and I saw varying degrees of success in their two businesses, depending on the time or depending on the business. And I saw them both have some really great highs. But what I saw more than that was that entrepreneurship is a freaking schlep. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of hustle. It is a lot of grit. It takes tenacity. You fall down a lot. You fail in public a lot. It can be embarrassing. And so I'm lucky that I got that kind of a front row seat to entrepreneurial reality, not to dissuade anybody, but just to be like, hey, this is hard because a lot of people jump into it. You know, they dive off the board of hopes and dreams into this pool of entrepreneurship. And then they get there and they're like, I have money issues. Oh, no. And it's like, I did. I saw my money issues coming, right? I'm lucky in that way. But what I didn't understand is that I had my own money issues. I thought I just had sales issues. And so everyone around me would be like, I can't charge. I can't earn. I, you know, I don't like money. All rich people are jerks, right? All of the normal money stuff that we sort of hear. And meanwhile, if I could roll around in money, I would do it. Like, if I could step into one of those machines where they literally blow money at you and make you grab it, I'm like, oh, give me that money! Yay! But the practice of going out and making that money, the practice of going out and asking for that money 
was horrible for me because I wanted the money. Yay, yay, yay. And I wanted to serve. Yay, yay, yay. But there was a roadblock in the middle called selling. And I thought in order to receive what I want to receive and serve how I want to serve, there's no way in hell I was going to go through the valley of sales because the valley of sales was no place for a bleeding heart Muppet Care Bear like me. And, and so I refortified that for almost a decade in my business. I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson. I'm a natural over deliverer. I just love people. And eventually sometimes they give me an and I would slash my prices and over discount and do all of these things. And then only this freaking year, 2022, I took an amazing course called the trauma of money. And I told myself that I was signing up for it to help my clients because I don't speak money. I speak sales and marketing and branding. And I was like, oh, I'm going to take this air quotes for them. Then it took yeah, about two sure. classes to get into this and be like, ah, it's me. I have money issues. I have them. So now a decade into my business, I'm finally looking at the similarities of money issues and selling issues and the baggage surrounding both as cousins, as almost siblings mm -hmm. for the very first time. And it's really changing the way that I run my business and it's helping me teach my clients better because if I'm not teaching them to handle money hesitation in themselves, money hesitation in their buyers, then, then we're just leaving gaps too wide. Does that make sense? I know that was like a really long spiel, but that's it how we totally got here. makes sense. Yes. Yes. So tell us, like, kind of share what were the money issues you discovered? Because I love how you brought up like, oh, I'm definitely not a salesperson. And I hear this yeah. a lot, you know, especially from people who have that story of, you know, rich people are bad and, you know, asking for stuff is you don't want to ask for stuff. You don't want to burden people. You don't want to make them upset. So they're very much like, oh, I'm not a salesperson. But if you're a business owner, you better be a salesperson or you're never going to get paid. So right. <laughs> you don't have a business. No. And then people used to say, well, if you don't want to sell, you know, then you're acting like a nonprofit. No, you're not. Nonprofits have to fundraise and write grants and stuff. That's even worse. Even right? more. So we need to own the fact that we are for profit endeavors. Mm -hmm. And we need to reacquaint ourselves with the fact that profit is something aspirational and essential. It's not a four-letter word. It's not dirty or nasty. It is the fuel of your future. If we're not profiting, we're not progressing. That's a problem, right? That's a freaking yeah. problem. Yeah, pretty big one if you're trying yeah. to you know, like pay bills and stuff. Heck yes, exactly, right? But what I, I think the money story that got trapped in me was twofold. One of it we've already touched on, this idea of good people don't sell mm. or at the very least, good people don't enjoy selling. Right. If you like it, ooh, you're a salesperson, right? Number yeah. one. The other though, looking at my incredibly hardworking, generous parents who sacrificed everything for me and, you know, my mom who was normally on an airplane to Topeka at four o'clock in the morning to go off and give a keynote or whatever, what I learned from them indirectly 
was that the more stressed I was and the harder I worked, the more likely I was to make money. So struggle Mm -hmm. equals faster money. It wasn't until the last couple of years that I said hard work equals money. Yeah. Tenacity equals money. Mm -hmm. Being willing to grow and change and risk and experiment is money. But me being a stress beast with no immune system who can barely sleep is not going to make that money treadmill faster. The only thing that makes money faster is consistency in your marketing and brand awareness coupled with a willingness to ask and receive. That's it. That's the whole methodology. I I have nothing to say momentarily. I'm like momentarily speechless. Like that was so simple. Yeah. How do we not see this? (laughs) I don't know. I lived in this vortex of stress and mania and burnout and yuck for years. And you know what? I called it the martyrdom of over-marketing because it felt very noble. Right. A lot of people find nobility in their issue with money or they find morality in their issues with money. Right. Right. And so they're like, I am anti-money and therefore I am a better Christian or I am anti-money. And therefore, when I die, everyone will come to my funeral and say I was grounded and generous. Like, whoa. Why are we why are we saying if I embrace money, if I embrace receiving, if I embrace selling, it's going to cheapen my personality. If anything, it gives me a bigger platform to help more people. Like I said, it's it fuel for your future. But we don't look at it that way. We look at it as, you know, if I am Gandhi-esque and I deprive nothing wrong with Gandhi, love Gandhi. Just saying we don't have to. Please don't write in. (laughs) Right. Don't add us. I'm not anti-Gandhi. I'm just saying he had a particular method. And just like Grant Cardone's method of selling, Gandhi's method of service is not the only one out there. We don't have to starve. We don't have to go on a hunger strike in order to better serve our people. In fact, sometimes we should eat make sure we're okay, and then make sure we have leftovers to share with other people who also need to eat, right? So you mean you serve better when you're not hangry? Imagine that. Weird, right? I can coach better when I'm not going, okay, this call is going to make me $125, which will pay that bill, which will pay that, but not that one. Okay, so now I got to go and I got to make another one of these. So maybe while I'm having this conversation with Camille, I should see if I could get her to re-enroll because I really could use another chunk. And plus, she's almost graduated. How present can I be Right. if when I am receiving... I can't be in the flow of why I'm receiving and instead I'm more focused on where my next dollar is coming from. I mean, if we look at what scarcity does to the brain. Oh, yeah. How am I supposed to function and serve well when I'm terrified about how long I can stave off burnout before my bank account overdraws itself? Right. And probably not long. 
not long and you won't uh-huh. be at your best. So yeah, you, you, you hear this so often and yet it's easy to forget because you get trapped in that piece of wanting to be noble and thinking you have to sacrifice and everything's got to be super hard. And, and if you didn't go through some disaster, then it wasn't worth it. And you didn't do it right. It's like, wait, 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 wait. how about we just reprogram? <laughs> like, start yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, when you took this class, like, mm-hmm. what did you shift? Oh, to- because oh. you had this business before and your business was teaching people sales like what was your mm-hmm. business uh-huh okay so you were teaching sales so back in the way back when I was operating as the idea doula um I still had no idea I was going to teach sales because okay. I was marketing and branding and all of this beautiful loving shiny stuff mm. and I actually I'm so grateful to my clients because they had these beautiful brands and these gorgeous brains and these really incredible causes and no one was making any money. And so they were coming to me to be like, well, I guess my brand is off. And then we would make their beautiful brand even more beautiful, their beautiful brain even more present, the how they serve even more clear. And I'm like, what? Still broke. What mm-hmm. the heck? Why is this happening? None of them were asking. So then I got real crabby and I was like, what is wrong with these people? Why aren't they asking? Because they're modeling you, you dorkist. Uh, so then I looked at myself and I was like, I am not teaching them to complete the marathon. I am getting them to the last mile and then going out to lunch. No, that's got to change. So even then, I didn't anticipate that I would teach sales. I just wanted to be able to give them the skills to cross that finish line. Right. And then once I started doing that, I looked to the left and I looked to the right and I was like, there's a lot of really incredible people in the marketing and branding space. There are a handful of really incredible people in the selling space, but I am a translator of people that don't identify as a typical salesperson. Maybe they're introverted, maybe they're empathic, maybe they're a Muppet, who knows? And I can come in and be like, look, you don't have to sell like me, you have to sell like you. Right. Right. But even so, I was so mired in sales baggage, which I know we're going to talk about today. I really got kind of um, tunnel visioned, blinded into receiving money, receiving money, receiving money in the art of asking, receiving money in the art of asking. It wasn't until trauma of money. First of all, that I, as a white woman, have been privileged enough to be included in spaces where I was allowed to witness people of color and especially Canadian and American First Nations and Indigenous people talk about how generational wealth does not exist for them, that they are the descendants of of what was seen as a commodity. That kind of thinking I had never, I still don't understand it. I'll never understand it. It's not mine. That's Mm -hmm. privilege coming in. Mm -hmm. But at least I was able to be in the room so that I understand that when I'm working with audiences with different backgrounds than me or audiences that don't have entrepreneurial parents, there are other layers at play here. Yes. And 
and that it's just, you know, trauma, big T or little T, there are so many different forms of it. There's generational, there's situational, there's environmental, there's epigenetic, right? All of these things. And so now it hasn't changed really what I teach. It's put a new layer in it, Mm -hmm. but I do believe it's going to allow me to continue to teach in a more responsible manner because I'm more aware of what's happening around me and what's happening underneath the surface than ever before. And so now understanding that I will never understand, I can at least take someone aside and say, hey, you're exhibiting some of these traits. Mm -hmm. I have a theory on why that may be. I want to provide some resources or community for you so that you can look into that and then feel free to bring it back to me if you want to share. I never had those resources before. I never had that awareness. Yeah. To me, I was just like, oh, everybody hates money the same. No, no, not even. Yeah. And you're so right about the generational wealth when that's something that you have never seen, never, it doesn't even exist. It's like a whole different world. Um, of, and it's and it's a whole different view it's a whole there's there's us and them you yeah. know not in that in that world there's a well you know we can never be like that because we're over here and like you said mm-hmm. treated more like a commodity or just a a base labor type of force not right capable of moving to that next step so yeah definitely lots of stuff to kind of work through if you're on that side before you get to the level of okay now I can progress and drop off some baggage and it's like Mm -hmm. you got to do extra steps to catch up to be able to go to the next piece so yeah I love that you were able to recognize that let's talk about the sales baggage I'm I'm excited to hear hear about sales baggage sales baggage all right so everything that i just said having been said right we all have our own path we all have our own story we all have our own brains they're majestic and weird um and and you know love to tell us the truth and love to lie to us and it's kind of challenging but if you are listening to this and you have a negative conception of selling you and everyone else around you, right? Like if you are, I'm 38 years old. I estimate that at this point in my life as a 38 year old living in a major metropolitan area in the US, I have been sold too badly 97 billion times. That's my technical <laughs> estimate, right? right? Yes. And, and I'm Agreed. 38. So if you're older than me, we'll round that up. And if you're younger than me, we'll round that down. And if Sounds you're in good. a- if you're in a like a really lecherous, nasty occupation or were or a nasty corporate environment, maybe it's more. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. But of course we have a negative connotation of sales because we've all been sold too terribly. And then we turn on the TV or we turn on pop culture in any aspect, and we are constantly reminded that money equals greed and salespeople equal Scrooge McDuck instantaneously right right? like i only care about myself i am richie rich i am scrooge mcduck if i'm going to make money eventually i'm going to learn a lesson and give all my money away oh boy right (laughs) Uh, i love that that concept of oh i have to be a terrible person and then i can get all this money and then i'll reform and give it away right right? so people go well like i don't what if i don't want to be a terrible person well then make your money anyway 
okay. Like, it's fine. You so, can make money as an amazing person. Yes. So the first form of sales baggage is that every single one of us has a legal pad in our head where we write down every time we were sold too badly. Mm. And that may be times you bought and regretted it. That yeah. may be times you bought where you felt like you bought it under duress. That may be times where you almost escaped buying, but you had to claw your way out of the conversation. Yeah. Right. And it's All super uncomfortable. Things. Right. It's super uncomfortable. And so we put those things in the column called no selling ever. Ugh. Ugh, couldn't believe it. I went into the Dillard's the other day and she came up with the perfume samples and she wouldn't leave me alone. One more check in the non-sales column. And then I went and they really tried to get me to eat a cake pop at Starbucks. And I just had oral surgery. I can't chew another one. In the... yep, yep. But what we don't do, there's an antidote sitting right there on the other side of this looking glass. What we do not do just the way our brains are wired, we don't have a same equal shinier glittery legal pad right. where we make a note of every time we were sold to beautifully. Yes. And the reason yes. for that is we don't call that sales. We call that customer service or customer delight. Yep. Right. So we have a column reasons not to sell a billion. Yeah. Reasons to sell zero. Right. Reasons to provide nasty customer service, zero. Reasons to provide great service, a billion. That's not customer service. If they're getting you to part with your favorite dollars, that is selling. But we're so anti-selling that we're not looking at it that way, right? Can't even call it selling when it's done We have to call it something else because of being Uh, anti-selling. Exactly. So we have these laundry lists. And the first thing we got to do is we, I'm not saying burn those lists. There is valuable data in the times that you've been sold too terribly. So what I want you to do is first look at that legal pad in your head with all those terrible salespeople on it and look for the patterns. Mm, What did they do to make you feel bad? Right. Then you can fight me on this all day, y'all. We're going to talk about my my contact information and stuff later. If you want to argue with this with me, feel free. I will win. Okay, but all of the things that you're going to come up with, which are those do not ever do Mm -hmm. situations Mm -hmm. are someone else's methods, not your mandates. All of those things that you write on that list are optional. Asking is not optional. So once we know, okay, they followed up way too many times. Oh my goodness. They told me that I was a strong, independent woman who didn't need to talk to my husband. They told me that if I went, stopped going to Starbucks, I could afford their program. Okay. That's all different forms of arm twisting, arm twisting, belittling me, knocking me down, arguing my objections, right? Right, None of that. Which we, I hate everybody. I think everybody dislikes that. I don't think there's anyone who's like, oh yeah, no, please tell me how I should spend my money better and how I'm making poor decisions and yours is the right one. Please do that. What we do is we just go, I'm never going to do that, but we don't actually translate that into action items. Mm -hmm. So like, I will never argue an objection is an action item that I could pull from that list. 
I will never come, I will never comment or make assumptions on someone else's financial situation or spending. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will never insult someone so that I can feel superior and make them feel like they need me. Right. Yeah. I want you to really write these down, y'all, as action items. Then in that same breath, do not stop. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200 in that same freaking breath. I want you to ask yourself this critical question. Who do you love to pay? Who do you love to pay? Because that barista that you love, that nanny that you love, the person who does your hair, the subscription service that sends those cute notes, the Hinkley Springs water guy who drops your water off weekly and always makes sure that they checks for coyotes before you let your dog in the yard. That is a salesman. But we call it customer service. So on that flip side, I'm yeah. always going to ask my client genuinely in a non-small talk way how they are and if there's anything I can do above and beyond for them. And I'm only going to promise to do that above and beyond thing if I actually have the bandwidth and desire to do it, right? Yeah. Same freaking thing. I want you to get that because now if we just look at, let's look at three action items on the negative and three action items on the positive. Now we have a code of conduct for our businesses. And more importantly, even, we have a whole list of people doing it right. Right. Which That's is great because we forget to see step. them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because we call it customer service. Oh, that person's great at customer service. Yeah. And yet if you they, keep paying them. So clearly they're great at sales because you keep giving them money. Re-enrollment is a sale. Yeah. Loyalty, customer loyalty is a sale. Mm -hmm. Upsells, downsells, side sales, referrals, testimonials, all of that is a sale. If you're giving those things away, you're giving your time, your faith, your money, or your energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Normally a combination of those things. Right. 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 But a lot of this starts, another real core of this is that a lot of this starts for us as children, as yeah. freaking children especially people around my age especially people in the u.s because i don't know why we thought this was a great idea but most of us had to do some kind of fundraising sales as a kid oh yeah see i already Wait, i've already right? like gotten there you go. just thinking about it i'm like All right, oh, hold on breathe breathe, breathe. <laughs> right but but which is hilarious so that because you could our, win like a, a bouncy ball or a right or something or or yeah. a pizza party like right. i'll buy my own pizza thanks so right. much right. right but okay so our parents are like stranger danger right speak when spoken to yes don't leave the yard look both ways before you cross the street don't go in anybody's house right mm -hmm. and then and then they give you a box of junk and are like, go sell this door to door, knowing that every other kid on the street is selling the exact same thing. Right. And there's that rumor still that the woman across the street from you is a witch who eats cats. Like, okay, I'm going to go sell her candy bars. Whee! Let me go in your or better house. yet, it's a brochure that they have to look through for 20 minutes right. to try to pick something. So then, you know, right. if it's hot out, you, they want you to come in their house and sit there. Or you got to live on their porch while they take your brochure inside and read right. it. Like it. Really? And then this, this always drove me the craziest is that they say, we'll give it to your parents to take to work. So now instead of me 
Did this ever happen to you? Did this? Oh happen? yeah, I just yeah. had my yeah. grandparents buy everything, and I told my parents I went out and sold. But both go. of my parents are sales avoidant, which is how I got here. So like, they get it now. So they get they, it now. They yeah. listen to my shows, and they're like, "We so sorry we did that to you." And I'm like, "Yes." Everybody needs All something to work on, right? Right. But yeah. but that is how our relationship with selling begins for most of us. That's is so true. this weird? meaningless talk about simon sinek none of us had a why there was no why behind that sale None. the why was i have to right or, the why or was, so i, I want a be... bouncy ball or a pizza party or not to be right. publicly shamed in my grade school yeah 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 and and you know the kid you know then they always have like one tv or or video game console or whatever but the only person who's going to get that is the person who sells like 3,000 things. And like, yeah, and that's just going to be the richest kid in class who sells it to their parents and the parents could have bought them an Xbox, right? Like, well, they could have bought four uh, Xboxes for the amount right. of junk that you have to buy from the sale. To right. that. And then even then we're like, how'd they get that Xbox? Yeah. They must not be very ethical as a second grader to get yeah. that Xbox. Like, come on, right? Okay, yeah. so then we go into the workforce. Right. And what's entry level at most companies? Sales. Sales. So you take people with no life experience. Again, no why. You're selling somebody else's widgets. Right. Right. And you have to sell someone else's widgets with their script or their methods. And again, you have no why. None. Yeah. And so that pit sales, entry level sales is the song and dance of pick up the phone, word vomit on someone, wait to get a no, hang up, pick up the phone, word vomit on someone, beg them not to hang up on you. They hang up on you, hang up the phone, pick up the phone. Right. And so again, yeah. we're doing the motions of selling mm -hmm. with no emotional drive or connection to that and some people will go oh i love this i love the thrill of this good for you Great. if you're a thrill seeker good for you you're gonna love that right but then a lot of us leave the corporate confines either because we don't want to sell entry-level widgets or we get more mired into somebody else's standards and they're like you have to do these things no matter what and we go well that's not me that person was crying on the phone i don't want to sell to somebody who's crying i don't want to tell them that yeah. their life is going to fall apart if they don't sign up for my coaching program that feels gross so what do we do we leave that corporate environment we go into self-employment and like we talked about at the very beginning, we jump into the pool and then go, oh man, I got to sell. And what do we have to rely on? Two things, childhood trauma and corporate trauma or limited Sounds experience. Sounds like a very stable beginning. Right. Or totally stable. A hundred percent. Really satisfying and fulfilling. Not weird at all. No. And then those of us that go into personal development or heaven forbid coaching, there's a lot of really incredible people that we could teach to grow our businesses out here. But there's an even bigger, shinier thing that says work on a beach, work 15 minutes a day mm. and you'll never have to do anything. And, you know, you can make ten thousand dollars in your sleep and everything else. And so what do we do? We say there must be something wrong with me because I'm having to work for this success. Yeah. And so what do we do? We go, it's because I can't sell. So then we try on these outfits of these lecherous sellers, these wolves in sheep's clothing of selling. And we go, well, they're a super spiritual driven, successful person. Maybe that's what I should do. And we get on and we go, wait a minute. This is the same tactic as corporate. What is this?
Yeah. Right. And so no matter where the baggage comes from, maybe you got it as a kid. Maybe you learned it on the job. Maybe you learned it from someone that did not have your best interests or share your morality. Who knows? Right. But it's getting constantly fortified, refortified, refortified. And instead, what we have to do is we have to ask this question of ourselves. Insert your name here, y'all. How does blank sell beautifully. I love that. Not how do I sell like Annie? Not how do I sell like Camille? How do I sell beautifully? And if you don't know, admit you don't know, and then go find someone like me, I'm not the only one, who can say, hey, we need to keep you in that pace of connection and power. We need to keep you in that feel-good, delivering, serving mindset, but then we need to open you up to receiving. How do we do that? That's how we form the foundation. Then we go back to step one. We have our do's and our don'ts. Now we have the beginning of strategy. We know we're stepping into who we are as salespeople. We're stepping into modeling the behaviors we want, not the behaviors we don't want. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love it. Uh, and and just asking yourself that question is so freeing. It's like, mm-hmm. how does Camille sell beautifully? And you can think back to times that you sold something or that you provided excellent customer service, if that yep. you know makes you feel better. Uh, yep. And and people gave you money for it. And then go, oh, okay, that's what I did. How do I repeat yep. that? I also love how you pointed out that you know there's always a balance to things. If Mm -hmm. you have the negative piece that you see from sales somewhere, there's a positive piece might just not be looking in the right place for it because we accidentally labeled it customer service. So, you know, looking and saying, okay, where is the other side of this? Where is that balance piece? I I love that, that concept. And I feel like it comes up a lot and then we forget it and then we remember it and then we forget it again. (laughs) It's easy. I mean, it's easy to forget because marketing and delivering are both dopamine filled little buckets of shiny. Mm. Mm -hmm. Good. We've earned them. It's fun to market when you get over the fear of marketing. It's fun to get out there and, and, you know, share and teach and educate and be when you get over the original initial blah, 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 blah. Right. It's really gorgeous feeling to receive, you know, thanks or praise or even just your own contentment. It's really amazing to watch a client that you've handheld really blossom under your care and know that you had a part of that. That stuff is all gorgeous. Of course, we're going to want to seek that out. Plus the dopamine aspect where it's like, got another like on my LinkedIn post. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Good. Good for you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if we're not going to take the risk, we're not going to get more of those bigger leaps. We're going to get stuck in pandering for Facebook likes instead of actually sustaining a business. Right. Exactly. Uh, we, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording of the, the concept of letting them buy. Can we talk about that more? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we talked about sales baggage. Let's talk about sales vomit. Okay. 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 Sales vomit. When I first decided to explore the idea of learning, perfecting, and teaching ethical sales, I was like, all right, 
I went to all my old clients. I went to a bunch of my friends. I said, send me your sales calls, the good, the bad, the ugly, especially the ugly, if you trust me with that. Mm -hmm. And so surprisingly, or I guess not surprisingly, uh, everybody sent me like their worst sales calls. Sure. Sure. And They're like, oh, I, I got one for you. Right. Exactly. They're like, oh, <laughs> Check this out. hold yeah. on your hat and try not to puke. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. The common thread, other than just glaring lack of confidence or understanding of why you're solving the problems you solve or what problems you're actually solving, right? Like yeah. that's, that's yeah. a foundational issue. But beyond that, the number one thing I saw was this habit of sales vomiting and what that literally does is it fills uncomfortable spaces with your insecurity in the form of over explaining or possibly handling objections that haven't even been posited yet right, right? oh so yeah what this looks like is you know you'll be like go to my website get on the optimized zone someone's like okay cool they get on a call with you they're like hey i'm totally interested in what you have to say you go through you're like the program is this it's this long i really think that you would like it and the cost for that is this and then well you say the cost or or however you get to the price if sure. you even say the dang price right. then what i hear on these calls is we go well, you know, I said, yeah. kids just went back to school this week. I didn't even ask. I should have asked. I'm so terrible. Do you have kids? Did your kids go back to school? Were their expenses really expensive? Do they like their teachers? I mean, you know, like, did they have to get the, bi I know I used to have to go get binders. Do your kids have to sell stuff door to door? Isn't that freaking terrifying? I hated that. Anyway, it's $49.99, but for you, we could cut it into payments or maybe like $29.99. Like, just don't tell anybody. I'll give you a discount because like, you don't seem really sold on this yet you don't seem really sold on this yet because i haven't given you room to think right they are on the call because they are interested in you if they're not interested in you specifically they're interested in your work and the problems you may be able to solve for them they are there on an exploratory mission mm-hmm now, I want you to take that word babbling, that sales vomit, and put it into another decision-making system to see how freaking ridiculous this is, okay? So, Camille, you're going on a date. Okay, ready. Could be a friend, could be a lover, doesn't matter. Celebrating something exciting, and cool. you're going to a restaurant that you have been waiting to get into for months. Nice, okay. Great okay. date, promise of great food, big occasion. Yeah. Okay. The waiter comes up yeah. and they say, would you like to know about the specials? And you say, sure, I'd love to know about the specials. And they tell you about the specials and they tell you where the chicken was raised and they tell you, you know, how the vegetables are prepared and they tell you all of these things. And now you have a good basis. Do I want chicken? Do I want fish? I'm a vegetarian, actually, so I don't want either of those. Right, whatever. I'm not a vegetarian, but, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the... Instead, though, instead, at this point, what a good wait staff person will do will say, we all know it, we've heard it a million times from good wait staff. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to look at the menu, flag me down if you have any questions. Right. What we do on sales calls is we say, Camille, did I tell you about the chicken? Are you a vegetarian? Do you even like chicken? Do you like chicken? When's the first time you had really good chicken? What's the best chicken you ever had? I mean, maybe you don't like chicken. What about fish? Do you like fish? What about, I mean, are you a beef person? We're not really a big beef place. Like, but you know, if you really needed beef, we could do this. Or like, oh my God, I didn't even tell you about the cocktail menu. Stop. 
talking. I was promised a beautiful evening and I can't even hear myself think, let alone make a decision about what's going to make my night complete. And that's just food. Most of the time people come to us to solve problems. There's pain there or challenge there that they have to navigate. And we don't want to inflict pain on people. So we talk about the pain point and then we go, I know how I'll soothe this. I'll just babble at them about my own experience. I understand that this may be really uncomfortable. It's never easy to zip it. Yes. Zip it. Similarly, there are times when you go into a clothing store and you know exactly what you want Mm -hmm. and you need to know where it is. So you go up to the salesperson and you say, where are your black jean shorts? And they say the short section's right over there. Would you like me to show you? And I say, yay. There are other times where I don't know what I want. I don't even know why I'm in an Old Navy. I'm just walking around to walk around and 18 salespeople come up and are like, are you okay? Do you need anything? What do you need? Oh, I see that you're looking at George. Would you like to look at tops? Would you like to look at shoes? No, I would like to wander the store and be left alone so I can decide what I want and I can use my other senses to help me make that decision, right? So y'all get out of the way and let them think they cannot buy if they cannot decide. They cannot decide if you don't stop talking. Yes. Yes. I cannot tell you how many times I have given up on buying something because the person wouldn't stop. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, and we're done. And then on the flip side, I've also had people that sell to me. And I admit that selling to me is a bit of a nightmare because I'll be like, oh, that was good. Like, I'll stop and like dissect (laughs) it. You're giving feedback on their sales technique while they're selling to you. Right. But I've also had people sell to me or attempt to sell to me rather. And I will say yes. And they just won't hear me. Oh, isn't that the hardest thing? And I know that I've done that. Thankfully, I don't have a recording of it. But I know that I've done that. Or we go, oh, really? You want to sign up? Seriously? You're sure you can afford it? It's now the right time? Why am I talking you out of hiring me in nine cases out of ten? I'm not talking about the one. I'm not talking about where they're like, I need this, Annie. I really need this. I'm going to take it out of my kid's college fund. No, you're freaking not. We're not a fit. Back up. Come to me when things are better financially. I'm not talking about that. Right. I'm talking about where someone's like, it's finally time for us to work together. And I go, oh, is it? (laughs) Are you sure? Right. And and in this in this one example I'm thinking of, I was enrolled in a program for a while and I liked it. I graduated from it. I got good value. It was an extreme value. I didn't re-up right away because I didn't think that I needed to. But a couple of months into my graduation, somebody called me and said, hey, we're calling from such and such program. And we want uh, you to know about a new offering. And I'm like, cool. Now already, they're calling me. They got me on the phone. I answered. I'm fine being on the phone. I'm not crabby about it. Yeah. They explained to me that they're coming from a server that I trust and had a good experience with. So yeah. I'm coming to this conversation positively. They stated the problem solved by their new offer. And I was like, ooh, that sounds great. I literally said to this woman, hold on. I'm upstairs in my office. I need to go to the kitchen and get my new debit card because I don't know the security code on it yet. Let me go get it. I was ready to leave 
my floor that I'm on, go to a different floor, find my wallet, pull it out, make a transaction over the phone. I said, hold on, let me go get my wallet. This sounds great. Could I have been any more clear? Sounds yes. perfect to me. I'm a yes. Let me go get my wallet. She said, you know what? I've already taken up enough of your time today. I'll follow up on Tuesday and see if you've changed your mind. Hey, to and not went, buy? If you've changed yeah. your mind to say no? And then she said, the weirdest thing. thanks so much for your time, Annie, and hung up. And here's the kicker, Camille. Did she call me back on Tuesday? I'm going to say no. Of course she didn't. Wow. Now, I'm guessing she has a commission-based job. I would think so. And she lost commission. Yeah, because you were about to buy. She lost commission because she was so uncomfortable in what she was doing. She wasn't listening for a yes. yes. She was only listening for a no. Yeah. And so when I gave her a crystal clear yes, she didn't. You were going it. to get your payment method. Like there is no more yes. She than could hold on, hear my, my adorable chubby butt huff down the stairs. I'm on my cell phone. I'm going to get my wallet. She can hear me go, <laughs> right? I'm going. Right. I am moving. Doors are opening. Like, are you paying any attention to me? Yeah. Wow. And she didn't even send me a follow-up email. Oh, gosh. Right. And it hurts. Exactly what you did. You just because you want, chest. you, if by doing that, like she let, they let you down. You know, you I were know, like, right. yes, this program sounds good. I want this program. Help me get it. Well, and also as an empath, I'm like, how are you going to pay a bill this week? <laughs> that too. Yeah. Right. I'm like, I don't get anything out of this. You don't get anything out of this. Now I'm just angry. Right. At humanity. Right. And and it took like two days before I was like, okay, I could teach that. Like I could use this. I could talk you, about oh, this yeah. on podcast, right? It took yeah, like yeah. two days for me to be like, what? Yeah. And the reason underneath it is I know I've done it. Mm. I know that I've rejected money mm -hmm. that was beautifully given. Mm -hmm. I know that I have negotiated things that didn't need to be negotiated i have underpriced myself i have over discounted i have over delivered i've done all of these things yeah but it's not until you are really excited to have a problem solved with you and for you and have that carrot dangled and then taken away that you're like am i doing this too mm. yeah Ooh. oh oh I don't want to do that to other people right. and I don't want to do that to myself. Right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. What are you most excited about right now? What's amazing in your oh, world? Gosh, what am I most excited about right now? You know, I'm so grateful. Um, I've had a lot of health challenges this year and mm -hmm. it's forced me to slow down a bit. Mm -hmm. And because I've had to slow down a bit, it has opened up the opportunity for more learning. So we talked about trauma money that I just got certified in. Um, I also got certified in a platform out of Canada called Dynamics, which is a communications preference oh, style. Cool. And yeah. so what I'm really excited about right now is that a year ago, I could do a really sensational job of helping Camille sell as Camille. Mm -hmm. 
but now I have two incredible tools to add whole new worlds on top of that in that mission. And so I'm grateful for the gifts of the education of this year, because now when I get someone who is willing to sell as themselves and sell beautifully, I have so many new tools in the toolbox to unlock them. And it just feels so good to watch them profit. Thank you for joining me. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, If you want to listen to Annie's podcast, it's Too Legitimate to Quit. The website for that is toolegitimate.com. If you want to visit her website and learn all about what she's up to and her story and all of that kind of great stuff, um, AnniePRuggles.com. And then if you want to reach out to her, jump on LinkedIn and we'll put all of those links in the show notes. So it'll be super easy for you to find. Uh, Thank you as well to all of our listeners and viewers. I'm your host, Camille Diaz. I'm a business optimization coach, financial educator, author, and speaker. You can contact me and find out what I'm up to through my website, CamilleDiaz.com, and follow me on social media at Cam Unfiltered. Be sure to follow Money Heart at Money Heart Show, and our website is MoneyHeartShow.com. Annie, would you like to share today's money mantra? I Annie P. Ruggles am somebody people love to pay. Yes. So that's another one we can insert our name in the blank, right? Please, please, please do. Thank you. 